My guest today is a lifestyle entrepreneur, life elevator, and coach to ambitious entrepreneurs and freedom seekers, helping people create incredibly impactful and profitable businesses. He's the best-selling author of Elevate Beyond and Elevate Your Network, and just recently, The Elevated Entrepreneur. A high-energy motivational speaker and the founder of the Professional Basketball Combine, which helps NBA draft prospects turn their dreams of playing pro ball into their reality. Introducing Jay Kelfer. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Jake, What's it's up, great my to man? have you on the show. It's great Dude, to have pumped, you here. Pumped to be here, brother. Pumped to be here. I'm I'm so excited about this one because um, I know you come from a background in basketball, and I'm a huge fan. And you know, while certainly I'm a Toronto Raptors fan, that's where I'm from. I also have a secret love for the Lakers, just because I grew up watching Kobe, and you know, he, he's my favorite player of all time. So you can never you can never gloss that over. Um, and you had the unique chance right after college to work with the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, be around Kobe in his final season. So just talk to me about what that experience was like and what was the primary thing you learned there? All right. So so let me let me backtrack here. I grew up in Los Angeles. All right. So so I grew up in a, in a Lakers family in Los Angeles. OK, we had a room in my house in my parents' house that I grew up in called the Lakers room. The walls were painted purple and gold. There was memorabilia. I mean, literally, I grew up having playing video games with the cardboard cutout of Kobe Bryant right next to me. Wow. Like big fans. So the fact that I start my professional career working for the team during Kobe's final NBA season was like a holy crap moment, right? Like that's so cool for a kid from Los Angeles. Now, when I was there, I was in the corporate partnerships division, which basically meant that my job was to help our directors, our managers, our coordinators execute anything that had to deal with a brand and the Lakers, mm. right? And so one of the coolest parts of the job, hands down, was being able to pick all the contestants for the contests, doing the halftime contest, the, the, half, court sh- the half court shot, the meet and greet, the skills challenges, the, the post-game shoot arounds with the players. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. But one of the things that I loved even, even more than just that was a lot of the brands and Lakers did great charitable components. So there was one event that I'll never forget where I was there kind of escorting the players and it was like a American health association or something, something like that. And there was dodgeball. And so you have like Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., a bunch of these really young players who are there. And they were on this dodgeball field or the dodgeball field. And there's all these kids playing. Well, the Laker players were on one team with the kids, but the other kids, I was like, I can't let them not have a player or like an adult on their team. So I jumped in 
I jumped in, and by the end of the dodgeball game, it just me versus Larry and Andrew Jr. going one-on-one, and all the kids are going crazy. And I was just so pumped up about it because, like, it was so cool to impact these kids and get them moving and get them physically, like, you know, active. But, dude, working for the Lakers was was just an amazing opportunity. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about, uh, you know, what it means to be part of a legacy. And I learned a lot from watching Kobe Bryant, you know, like that's, let's not underplay that. It was his final season. Lots to take away from it. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest takeaway? I'd say, I'd say, you know, there, there were a few, but here, here's the one that I think as I, as I've grown as a, as a person, the biggest thing for me with, with Kobe working for the team was seeing the idea that any human being has the power to positively influence somebody else. When People would fly and spend their life savings to come watch one of Kobe's final 41 home games at Staples Center. It made me realize that I don't have to wait till I'm famous or have a certain amount of money to go make an impact on the world. Everybody out there is looking for inspiration and looking for something or someone to excite them enough to take action, to excite them enough to to actually go after those dreams that have always been just pipeline dreams rather than real possibilities. And seeing Kobe um, have that impact on so many people around the world made me say, like, why can't I do that? Why, why not me? And, uh, and that's been a big thing. And, and as I continue to grow, it's something I, I remember. is like, why can't I be this le- person? Why can't I do this? Who's stopping me, right? And, and, and that's, that's one of the biggest things I've taken away. Yeah, that's incredible. And we'll talk in a moment about how you put that takeaway into, into practice. Uh, but a little fun fact is that, uh, you know, it being Kobe last year, me and my brother are diehard fans. Um, we were we were lucky enough to go to the fi- his final All-Star game, uh, which was in Toronto, uh, funny enough, back in 2016. So that is a memory that I will hold to my heart for the rest of my life. I'll probably end up telling my kids about it and, and just pumped it to bring that through the generations. Well, dude, so, so, so that's what's so cool, right? Is look, five years later at the time of this recording, we're talking about that experience, right? That you got to go to the all-star game, fortunate enough to see Kobe Bryant. When somebody has an, an experience that changes their life, they're never going to forget it. That experience, that memory, that, that, that experience is, is one of the most valuable things that you could ever have as you move forward for the rest of your life. Never underestimate the power of what an experience and a shared memory can do for somebody else's life. And if you could create that experience, you could be part of their lifetime ex- lifetime achievement, right? So yeah. just, just something to add there, because I think we, we downplay, you know, going to things, going to concerts, going to live events, spending, saying yes on the Friday night when you would rather sleep, like... I think that we we need to have more experiences and we need to say hell yeah to more things so that we can create a life worth living. You you said it better than I ever could and you really like you said you took away from that experience that you have the ability to impact and help people at a high level. And so you left the Lakers, uh you took a leap of faith and you launched your own business. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and why you decided to take that leap. So I'm working with the Lakers and I have this awesome experience with Jerry West where I realized not just how important, how how impactful one person could be, but I, but I realized that it didn't matter what your level was, your status was that, that could make an impact. And so I was like, you know what, how can I help people? and, And what do I know that I could even help people do? Right. And so when 
I finished working with the Lakers. I actually released my first book. So Kobe retires at the end of the season. I retired at the end of the season. I released my first book called Elevate Beyond, which is all about how to stand out in the job market, discover your passion. And it was at that point that I said, okay, well, what now? What am I going to do now? And how am I going to make money on my own? I had just moved into my apartment in Santa Monica. I was like, how am I going to do this thing? Right. And that was the start of the entrepreneurial journey post-college. You know, I had started company, a company in college. I had done some things in high school, but it was, it was the first time now where I had real bills, expenses, and responsibilities, still nothing like having, you know, a family or a mortgage, you know, I'd pay rent, you know, but it was Santa Monica, right? And so I had to figure out how am I going to make that all happen? And so it started by saying, what do I know and how can I help people? That led to writing my first book. That led to me starting to speak on stages all across the country. That led me to saying, well, shoot, now that I have this book and speaking, how do I work in sports and still like make my impact there? Because I was still so passionate about it. Yeah. That led me to creating the, the pro basketball combine and working with draft prospects and helping them sign their first deal. That led me to writing a second book on networking because that was how everything happened. I was so young, but I was having all this success. And the reason was because I figured out how to talk to people. I figured out how to share energy in a way that made people excited. Yeah, That led me to getting invited to speak in China because I had a second book, right? Everything is because of taking action, building relationships, and finding ways to enjoy yourself in the process. From there, I've gone on to write a third book, The Elevated Entrepreneur. I have coached entrepreneurs of all sorts of sizes of businesses. I've, I now help people write and launch their own books, right? Because I've done it three times. So it's it's one of those things where... If you're willing to put one foot in front of the other, if you're willing to say, let's freaking go, and you're willing to just see what happens, great things are going to come your way. You're, you're, the energy that you're coming with is just incredible because I can see why your message reverberates and I can see why other people choose to work with you and how your your words emanate through your speaking gigs, your books, uh, and touch people's hearts all over. Um I, you, I do think you glossed over something there for a second. You said you had a conversation, you had an interaction with Jerry West, which inspired you to make this change. What was that interaction? And for people who don't know, Jerry West, at the time, uh, how I'm not sure if at the time he was still involved with the Lakers or if he was on the Clippers at that time, but maybe you give some background there and then you can. Yeah, of course. Of course. This is one of my favorite stories to share. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you said, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. So, so Jerry West, Jerry West is the guy, for those of you that don't know, he's the NBA logo, okay? He's a Lakers legend. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's somebody that, going back to my parents' house when I grew up, right, we had pictures of Jerry West on the wall from its playing days. Like, I grew up looking at Jerry West. So now here I am. I'm a bottom of the totem pole employee working for the Lakers. I get in an elevator. I'm going down to the event level to meet one of the contestants for the half-court shot. I'm in the elevator. It's me and the elevator attendant. And I'm like, all right. Let's go. This guy's shooting a half court shot for 95K. Like this is already the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. Right before the elevator door shut, Jerry West walks in. So now it's me, the elevator tenant, and Jerry West. Now the elevator tenant looks at Jerry West and, and he has no idea who he is. Oh God. And he goes, excuse me, sir. What floor do you want to go to? And Jerry looks at him like event level. He's got courtside seats, right? Yeah. The person working the elevator, though, looks back at Jerry and he kind of says, well, sir, do you have a credential? Oh, because if not, if not, I'm going to need you to step off the elevator because this young man pointing at me, he's got work to do. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't. Like, there's no <laughs> way he just told Jerry West that. And Jerry kind of looks at him and he's so confused, but he goes, 
no, I don't, I don't have a credential, but do you know who I am? And the guy goes, no, I, I don't know who you are, sir. I'm going to have to ask you to step off. And I'm just like, this cannot be happening right now. So Jerry's about to step off. I mean, what else could he do? And in that moment, I just gather all the courage I can. Okay. And at this moment now, like right before I do this, my armpits are sweating. My voice is about to crack. And I go, wait, wait, you know, like, like the voice really cracks. I go, wait, you know, he's with me. He's my guest. I'll escort him down. Cause I knew who he was. Like I, I wasn't taking some slum down to the court level. I was escorting Jerry West, the NBA freaking logo. The elevator attendant kind of looks at me and he goes, are you sure? So I look at Jerry and I kind of, you know, wait for his nod of approval to make sure he's cool with it. And he gives me the nod of approval. So I give the nod of approval back to the elevator attendant. Now, the next 14 seconds, best elevator ride I've ever had. We go down to the event level and now we're about to go. And now I start to panic. I'm like, is he going to be super pissed at the elevator attendant that he didn't know who he was? Is he going to be mad at me for having to stand up for him, even though I don't know who he is? How is Jerry about to react? Right before we go our separate ways, he's going to his seats. I'm picking the contestant up. He sticks out his hand, he shakes my hand, and he says, thank you. I appreciate what you just did for me. And it was right there. And as I look back, it's even more clearly. But it was in that moment where I realized it, we're all people. And we are in the business of people. And when you can help somebody hit their common core desires as humans to be loved, to be heard, to be valued, to feel like you belong, you can make an impact on someone's life. Yeah. And that led me to say, what do I know and how can I help people? That's what sparked those questions along with the Kobe experience and everything else. But that moment with Jerry West was like, it didn't matter that I was a bottom of the totem pole employee on a minimum wage salary. What mattered was I was a human being. And in that moment, I made the NBA logo feel special. And he did the same thing for me by shaking my hand and telling me he appreciated me. That was a game-changing moment because all it takes is one, one action, one connection, one person, one experience to change the course of your life forever. And you may not always know in the exact moment what's about to happen, but when you look backwards and you look at why you made decisions, you can think to specific instances and moments that cause that, 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 that chain. Yeah. And I think we've all experienced maybe not one, one moment in particular, that, like you said, we can't always put our finger on it, but we've had those epiphany moments. And that seemed like a huge one for you that you're going to tell your kids and so on. Um, you know, in incredible, incredible story. Now you did say that the question that you asked yourself immediately afterwards is what do I know and how can I help people? What ended up being the answer to that question? So I, I had to think, look, I'm a, I'm a 22 year old, 23 year old assistant for Lakers right now. Okay. I was less than a year removed from college. And so when I asked myself, what do I know? I wasn't like some super kid that had all this knowledge about like stocks or, you know, something crazy. The thing that I knew most though, was how to land my dream job, how to land a dream internship, how to network, how to do resumes, how to do interviews. Because in college, that's what I did. I was involved in all the organizations. I went to all the mock interviews, the resume workshops, the networking events. I did whatever I could to make sure that I could stand out and live the, what eventually would become the life I had always dreamed of. And, and at the time, now factoring to how can I help? Well, I was in a fraternity and a lot of the fraternity brothers always asked me for help on getting a job, resumes, networking, and the interviewing and those things. And I was like, okay, they're asking me about those questions. I know a lot about that. There's got to be more people like that. And my brother was a sophomore in college at the time. He's three years younger than me. So I was like, look, this is going to be great for everybody. So 
what that became was initially just a series of blog posts. I was like, look, I'll just write a bunch of blog posts, give some advice, and boom, we'll be called a day. The problem was, Tanvir, the problem was none of these college kids give a shit about reading a bunch of blog posts on career development. They wanted to party, drink beer, and, and try to graduate with honors. Yeah. So I ended up meeting with a professor at UCLA who's, who's become a big, big mentor in my life, especially in the beginning stage of my journey. And I showed him my stuff. And he was like, Jake, this is good. I was like, thank you. You know, like, yeah, it's cool. Like to feel validated. He made me feel valued. Right. Yeah. And he said, but, but I, I want to challenge you. I want you to make this into a book. And I looked at him like he was speaking a different language because I was like, <laughs> I'm 23 years old, less than a year removed from school. And you want me to write a career development book. Right. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I do. These are the things that I think you should add to get some additional credibility and to make it, make it complete, but go for it. I said, let's do it. And that's what initially started the, the journey to writing my first book and to eventually, you know, leading to the story of Kobe retiring and then me retiring and, you know, launching my book the, the next, the first of the next month. And, and so that's how it all started um, for, for a post Lakers job. That's, that's incredible. And, you know, it shows that I think everyone has something that they can provide. Like when you get to a certain level, obviously, when you're going through school, you're learning, but at a certain point you realize, okay, like people are asking me questions about this, or, you know, I know for me, people ask me, ask me questions about podcasting, for example, because I run a podcast. And so everyone has some sort of expertise, expertise in something. And you can always turn that, um, turn that passion into, you know, whether it's a hobby, a business, whatever you want. Um, but you know, you followed that that advice. You followed that that mentorship advice of, of launching a book, um, elevate beyond, elevate your network, and the elevated entrepreneur are the three books that you've launched since that time. But let's just start at what does it even mean to be elevated? Oh, that's a great question. That's a wonderful question. Um, in a nutshell, in the newest book, The Elevated Entrepreneur, I literally break down what it means to be an elevated entrepreneur. And there's a series of about nine statements that make an elevated entrepreneur. But at the core of it, at the core of it, the word elevate and what it means to be elevated, the way that I define it, the way that I define it at this point in time is to pursue your success, your definition of success relentlessly, while at the same time, enjoy the journey of life. And if you can go after your dreams and do everything in your power to make that happen, but also find ways to enjoy the process of that, you are elevated. When you can say, let's freaking go, even though you might be judged or even though you might fail, you're elevated. When you could say and look at yourself in the mirror, I gave it my best shot, you're elevated. Elevating is about taking yourself one level higher than you were today. That's what being elevated is. And that's how we define it. And that's how I live my life every single day even though not every day is a great day. Dude, there's some days that freaking suck. But an elevated person, an elevated entrepreneur doesn't stop when that happens. We acknowledge it. We open our hearts. We share our vulnerabilities and we move and continue to, to go forward even when we have those experiences. Yeah. And you brought up a, a key question there or a key statement in the sense that, you know, it's chasing your definition of success and enjoying the process in doing so. Um, what is your personal definition of success? My personal definition of success, and I, and I think success evolves depending on your life and where you're at in your life. For me, at, I'm a 28-year-old man who, who has crazy dreams right now, right? And I've done some really cool things in my life, but I still have so much more I want to accomplish. For me, though, 
my definition of success is to have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, and to help others achieve their own definitions of success. That's how I define living a successful life right now. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing to, to be able to articulate that and to share that because it, it forces me to kind of evaluate, you know, am I living that? Am I always living that? Am I doing the things I need to continue to have more of the things that I define as success? Um, and and so, it's, so it's really interesting, but that's how I define it. I love that. It's a great definition to have. Um, now, you did mention that there are some bad days. And I think um, society is in an interesting job of glamorizing entrepreneurship. You know, it's a, it's a buzzword now um, to be able to say that I'm an entrepreneur. So talk to me about what your day-to-day looks like, what you enjoy, and maybe what you don't as much. So my day-to-day changes all of the time. Okay. There are key common principles though, that regardless of the day I'm always executing on, right? Connecting with people. We're in the business of people. I'll say that again. I'll say it another probably 500 times. We are in the business of people. No matter what it is that you're doing, you cannot build a business if you don't have customers. You cannot get married to another person if another person doesn't exist. You have to have people in your life to achieve the things we as human beings desire the most. Okay. That being said, a lot of the times in my day today, I'm doing, I'm networking, I'm connecting, I'm working with clientele, I'm in the DMs messaging people, I'm doing podcast interviews, I'm constantly finding, I'm creating content, I'm constantly focusing on things that I do best and then trying to delegate what I don't do best, okay? Now, here's the really important thing that, that I've learned and I continue to learn is that when you run a business as an entrepreneur, okay, and yes, society has glamorized this idea of being an entrepreneur, but when you run a business as an entrepreneur, a lot of people do it because they think, oh, I'm only going to do the parts that I enjoy. I only have to do X, Y, Z. I can only focus on coaching. I can only focus on creating. And yes, there is truth to that to a certain extent, but there's, you're running a business. There are always going to be things that you don't love to do that you're still going to have to do. And this is where a lot of people drop the ball or they miss out on momentum is because they say, no, I'm just not doing this part of my business. People are like, I don't like sales. Well, guess what? If you don't sell, you will not have customers. If you don't have customers, you will not make money. If you do not make money, your business becomes a hobby. And guess what? You're going to go need to get another different type of job. So it's really important to understand the differences here that, that we're talking about. But, but overall, man, there are a lot of good days. There are some days that aren't so great. And there are things that I do to make those days to, to adjust on those and to try to limit those moving forward. But overall entrepreneurship is amazing. I love the idea of people creating money and impact out of thin air. Um, but it's not just, uh, you know, rainbows and sunshine. It's, hard work, it's discipline, it's consistency, it's making sure that you know what actually matters in your business, and it's making sure that you use your skill sets to the best of your ability. Yeah, you're really rolling with the punches here. It's like in the middle of a boxing boxing match, and you're taking a lot of hits to the gut every once in a while, you're landing a few, rolling with the punches, and then hopefully coming out on top, and sometimes, some days maybe not, and that's that's totally fine. I think accepting entrepreneurship, um, having you know a couple of businesses in my past, uh, it's just about accepting the journey for, for what it is. 
But I want to hone in a little bit on each book you've written for a second, because they all have super valuable themes. So starting with Elevate Beyond, it's really about selling, setting yourself apart from the competition when it comes to the job market. And now more than ever, I think people could use that advice uh, to understand, you know, how to find, I guess, what their heart is calling them towards and, and uh, letting themselves stand out more. What are three tips you would provide from that book that someone can take away from this episode and start putting into practice? Yeah. So, so let's, let's keep it, let's keep it um, a little bit general here to start. No matter what job you are going for, you have to be able to sell yourself and communicate effectively, right? The second thing there, when it comes to standing out and differentiating yourself, it's you have to be willing to do something that other people aren't willing to do. Here's a very concrete example of this. When most people apply for a job, they will, um, and let's say you go to a job fair, excuse me, they'll go to the job fair and everyone will give their resume. Everybody prints out on a white paper. If you come in with a tan resume paper, you're immediately have stuck, you stick out from the crowd. So when they're looking at their stack of people, and then all of a sudden there's one or two or three that are a little bit different, they're going to go grab those and be like, what, what is going on here? Is this supposed to be there? Did I put a bookmark there? Is this like an advanced resume paper? And you stand out. And then the last thing that I would say here is when you're going for the job, when you're going for the job, it's obviously find people that have connections, find, figure out ways to, to grow your network. And we'll talk about how to do that in book two, but it's, but it's really about, you don't just go to a job interview and try to be the person you think they want. You go to the job interview and you be the best damn version of yourself you possibly can, because guess what? If you try to be the person they want you to be and they hire you, you're not going to be happy in that role. And if you go in there and you're the best damn version of yourself and they don't want you for that role, then it wasn't the right fit in the first place. Too often we settle, we try to impress and we try to please. You don't need everybody to like you. You need the right people to love you. And this is what I told the NBA players. You don't need 30 teams to draft you or sign you. You need one team to like you. And we had players and we've had job people. I've had interns that have gone through this. They get let go. They get declined, denied from all these jobs, from all these teams, but there's one that believes in them. And that's all you need. One, right? That might be the theme of this conversation is you only need one thing to make that difference. So those would be some tips from Elevate Beyond that I think are, are practical and also very useful in today's, in today's world. That's amazing. And I think what a lot of people don't realize about, you know, searching for a job is that it's a two-way street, you know, like, yeah, you're, you're going to be working for this company, but at the end of the day, like you have to see value from it as well. And you have to look for the job accordingly. You know, um, I think when it comes to, to the job market, like fake it till you make it isn't always necessarily the best advice because that maybe that deters you from what you said, being authentic and, and being yourself. Um, so I could agree with that completely. Now, transitioning to elevate your network, we hear it all the time. Your network is your net worth. What are some key you know, networking tips that we can provide um, that can really help not just elevate your net worth, but elevate your quality of life in general. Yeah. So this, this book is broken down into 25, we call them Kelf keys, 25 Kelf keys. And they're just the best practices of, of networking and building relationships. So if I'm going to share a couple of them, but if anybody wants it, you can just grab a free copy, just Google free book, elevate your network, and you'll get a free copy uh, online. That being said, here, here are a few things when it comes to, to your network, because my biggest issue is that everyone says, build a network, build a network, 
connect with people. The problem is, is most people don't talk about how do we actually go about doing that. So that's what we're going to do right now is we're going to give real practical examples and strategies to help people go build a connection immediately following them listening to this interview. The, the first thing that we have to realize here is you have to ask great questions. Okay. When you're building a relationship, you have to ask great questions. Here's why. The better the questions, the more real the answers are going to be on the other side. The more real the answers are on the other side, the more likely they're digging into experiences, memories, and things that bring them joy or that make them think. When you make them do that, it becomes much easier for them to want to actually have the conversation with you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The second thing that you have to do is you have to learn how to become a great listener. Becoming a great listener is not just hearing what someone's saying. It's understanding, validating, processing. It does not mean you have to agree with what they say, but it does mean that you have to show them that you actually care. When you're listening, whenever someone's listening, are you nodding your head? You know, one of my favorite books is the Dictionary of Body Language. Right. And there's ways that we can communicate to build these relationships. And that's by being a good listener. Are you nodding your head? Are your eyebrows raising? Are you smiling? Right. Are you using different hand gestures? Are your shoulders going up? Right. Are we signifying that we're interested? Are we leaning in? Or are we falling backwards? That's part of being a great listener. So asking great questions, being a great listener. And then my, my last tip that I'm going to give here is you never know who you're talking to until you know who you're talking to. So there are a million examples here that I can give, but I'll, but I'll share one story. Okay. There's a girl, she goes in to get her interview. She's in the interview room. This is a final round. She's on interview number three. Okay. She's in the interview room and she's waiting. The interview's in, in five minutes. She checks in at the receptionist. The receptionist says, go ahead, take your seat. They'll be with you in just a second. So she gets there and she, she, she opens up her resume portfolio. She kind of is looking over her notes. She doesn't have her phone, but she's looking at her notes and she's sitting there. And then she starts chatting with the receptionist. How are you doing? How's your day? You know, just kind of getting to know her, being very polite. 10 minutes go by, they still aren't there. And, and she's kind of like, is everything okay? She's wondering. Finally, she gets called to go to the back. She gets to the back of the interview room and she has the interview. It's the final round. She thinks she's going to be there for an hour. She's there for 20 minutes. She's like, oh my gosh, I blew it. There's no way they're going to hire me. She walks out, even though she's sad and like discouraged, she goes to the receptionist. She goes, hey, thank you so much. Really enjoyed our conversation. And she mentions like one thing about their conversation. She goes home that night. She's devastated. She's telling her friends, her family, oh, this didn't work. I didn't, I didn't land the job. The next morning, her phone rings. She picks up her phone. And the person on the other line was the receptionist. And she goes, oh, hey, like, you know, how you doing? Thinking that she's going to like forward her to the person who interviewed her. And she goes, and the receptionist tells her, she goes, look, I, I need to reintroduce myself. I'm not actually the receptionist. I'm the hiring manager. And I would like to invite you to work for our company. You see the interview, the real final round interview was in the waiting room. How did she interact with people when she wasn't on her best behavior? Because she had the conversation and showed that she really cared, she got the job. So there's a lot of lessons that we can take away from here. But the one that I'll pull out here is you never know who you're talking to until you know. That's why it's so important that we treat people with respect, that we listen, that we don't discredit someone because they look different, they sound different, they have a different belief, but it's that we get to know people for who they are because the possibilities of people are limitless. So that's, those are the sum of from, from book two. That is hella powerful and uh, kudos to her for for making it on top of that and and 
you know, it is crazy. Like you just never know uh, who you're talking to and, and the potential of, of someone else that you're talking to either. Even if you reverse the roles, like if you're mentoring somebody, you know, where that person could go in the future and what they could do. So um, very, very powerful stuff. Now getting to the, the recent one, the one that's really been taking off the elevated entrepreneur um, would love to hear about, you know, the key lessons from that book for someone who's, you know, maybe considering that jump or is in the, in the thick of it, in the middle of entrepreneurship and just can't seem to be figuring it out. What does it mean to be an elevated entrepreneur? Yeah, man. So, so the elevated entrepreneur, for those that have not had a chance yet to, to read it or learn about it, I interviewed 39 of the world's best coaches, performers, and entrepreneurs. I asked them a series of really personal and valuable questions with the intention to share their stories, motivation, tips, tricks, and everything that they know to help people read 200 pages, find their favorite style, and go implement so that they could have the life they've always dreamed of. Now, in this book and after interviewing all these successful people, there have been a few common themes. One of the themes that comes up in this book, and I asked everybody, like, what's one action that you can do to be the best version of yourself? And, and the, the number one answer, there, there were a bunch of different answers, but the number one commonality of the answers was almost every single person answered with an action that has to do with taking care of yourself first. Now, these are all people that have made, a lot of them have made a lot of money. A lot of them have impacted the world in a lot of great ways. And yet they're focusing on themselves first. Too often as entrepreneurs, we aim to serve, but we don't take care of ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, there's nothing less for us to give. And if you want to give and create impact, you have to be able to have something in your cup to pour from. So that's one thing. Number two is one of the guests, her name's Allison Bird. She tells us an unbelievable story. I won't share it right now because if you want it, you can read it in the book and she tells it way better than I could. But there's a core message and she shares this idea that you need to go in life. You need to go where you're celebrated, not just where you're tolerated. And this was at one of those, like, I got the chills when she's telling me this story because I was like, holy moly, we spend so much of our life trying to please other people, trying to just go and be good enough. Go to the places, go to the people that make you feel like you're on top of the world. You know, those people that when you're around them, you're just like, oh my gosh, I got the greatest energy. I'm fired up. I feel so good after that conversation, or I need to go to more of those events. That's celebration versus being tolerated. And then the last thing that I'll share here, and this is uh, specifically related to, to entrepreneurs, um, is one of the guests talks about the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. And this goes back to my fundamental principle of being elevated, which is pursue your definition of success relentlessly while enjoying the journey and the process. And this person, his name's Steve Larson. Um, he's an incredible entrepreneur. And he talks about, you know, when you start as an entrepreneur, when you start uh, building a business, success means one thing. But once you get to a certain point, there's a dance between the art of uh, fulfillment and the science of achievement. The science of achievement is, did I get this? Yes or no. Did I achieve this? Yes or no. But the art of fulfillment is, did I enjoy myself? Am I happy? Right? It's more of the philosophical side of things that's saying, is this a life well lived? And so those are some of the key points. And each one of the guests goes deep into their own stories. Everybody's got incredible actionable takeaways. Um, but that's what the third book's all about. Yeah, it's man, just so much power in, in those words. And uh, Larson is incredible. Uh, I, I follow his advice on publishing content and Brunson's advice on, on, on publishing content. That's why I do this podcast. So um, no, it's the nuggets that you gave there, I think are, are very actionable, uh, very much gold 
for people to, to derive from and, and apply into their into their day-to-day life, whether or not they want to be entrepreneurs, because yeah. you can you can apply those lessons um, if you're in a day job, no matter what situation you're in, you can you can put those lessons into practice. Now, Jake, this has been an incredible episode. Um, where can people find you, learn more about you, get your books, et cetera? Best place is going to be on the gram. I'm spending most of my time on IG right now at Jake Kelfer. Uh, let's have a conversation in the DMs. If you want to get a copy of my, my newest book, just go to the elevatedentrepreneur.co um, or just ask me in the DMs and we'll get that situated for you. Uh, it's a free book, just like Elevate Your Network. You get a free copy. All that we ask is that you cover the shipping. Uh, we just want to get into as many hands as possible, but that's the best way to connect with me and get my books. Amazing. And I'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes. Jake, before we leave today, what is one final piece of advice you would give to my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Mm, and the final, the final words, baby. These, these are the moments that people remember you by. Um, no, I'm just kidding. The, the, the thing that I would say here is this. The, my, I'm getting ready to release my first book. You know, we'll come full circle here of how the journey began and, and why it's, this is important. I'm getting ready to release my first book. I'm nervous. I'm panicking. I don't know if anyone's going to buy my book. And my dad looks at me and he says, Jake, do you want to have success? I said, heck yeah. He goes, do you want to, do you want to marry a beautiful wife one day? I said, yes. He said, do you want to have a, a nice house? I said, yes. He said, do you want to make a lot of money? I said, yes. He said, do you want to have a lot of impact? I said, yes. I said, dad, I want all of these things and I'm going to have all these things. And he goes, well, look, there's no shortcut to getting those things. And I was like, okay, dad, you're right. Like I get it. And he goes, wait a sec, wait a sec. I got something here. There is a shortcut. And I was like, okay, like, what is it? You know, you're wise, you're older than me. You're, you've got a successful business. I believe in you. You've been a great father up to this point. And he still has been, of course. And he says, the only shortcut in life is to start now. And when he said that, it was one of those things where you're like, let's go. So my final words of wisdom, my final thoughts for anyone that's listening to this is whatever you've been thinking about doing, do it. Start now. Because the minute you take action, the rest of the path will open itself to your eyes. That's the perfect way to wrap things up. Jake, thank you so much for coming on to Winning Streaks. It's been an incredible episode. Uh, and to my listeners, thank you for listening. We hope you join, you join us again for the next episode of Winning Streaks. Thank you so much.